Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Wednesday, June 1st, and this is People Every Day. Hello, everyone. Janine Rubenstein here. Welcome to June. This marks the first day of Pride Month, and those celebrations are already kicking off around the nation. And today, we've got another busy show in store for you. So let's get to it. We have a verdict After weeks of testimony and several days of deliberation, there is a shocking resolution to the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation trial. Late this afternoon, the jury ruled in Depp's favor. Experts and pundits long speculated that Depp and his team began this process hoping for a victory in the court of public opinion and calculated that the Pirates' actors' chances of winning the actual case would be very slim, as defamation cases are notoriously challenging to win. But today, Johnny Depp has defied the odds and won all three defamation counts against his ex-wife. Depp was awarded $15 million in damages stemming from Heard's 2018 Washington Post op-ed, which alluded to Depp abusing her. While Amber Heard was in person for the shocking revelation, Johnny Depp watched with the rest of the world from the UK, as he has been there the past few days performing at several concerts alongside guitarist Jeff Beck. But, as we've learned very early on in this case, nothing is black and white. Heard countersued Depp for defamation and also won. The jury ruled that Depp defamed Heard on one of three counts, and she was awarded $2 million in damages. Heard's team released a statement a few moments after the final rulings, saying in part, The disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband. I'm even more disappointed with what this verdict means for other women. It is a setback. She concluded with, I'm sad I lost this case, but I am sadder still that I seem to have lost a right I thought I had as an American to speak freely and openly. Wow. Depp released a lengthy statement himself that reflected on how in the six years since Heard's op-ed, his world has not been the same, commenting in part, and six years later, the jury gave me my life back. I am truly humbled. The 58-year-old actor also noted the overwhelming support he received from fans and viewers of the case, saying, I am and have been overwhelmed by the outpouring of love and the colossal support and kindness from around the world. I hope that my quest to have the truth be told will have helped others. He concluded with, the best is yet to come and a new chapter has finally begun. Presumably referring to his apparent music career and a chance to return to the silver screen. This is still a developing and late-breaking story. More details are bound to come to light soon, and we will definitely be updating you throughout the week with the latest. Jada has spoken. At the beginning of today's episode of Red Table Talk, Jada Pinkett Smith finally opened up about what happened between her husband, Will Smith, and Chris Rock at the Oscars. A little bit. Now about Oscar night, my deepest hope is that these two intelligent, capable men have an opportunity to heal, talk this out, 
and reconcile. The state of the world today, we need them both. And we all actually need one another more than ever. The Girls Trip actress spoke directly into the camera during the show's cold open and addressed why this episode was going to be important, as she wanted to share stories of others that have alopecia. I'm using this moment to give our alopecia family an opportunity to talk about what it's like to have this condition and to inform people about what alopecia actually is. She ended her cold open remarks with this. Will and I are continuing to do what we have done for the last 28 years, and that's keep figuring out this thing called life together. With all of the aftermath surrounding everything that happened that night at the Oscars, I can't imagine this will be the last thing she says publicly about it. This week's issue features an interview with the president's former daughter-in-law, Kathleen Buell, who details her tumultuous marriage to Hunter Biden. Kathleen Buell has a new memoir titled If We Break, and she is laying it all out on the table. If you're not familiar with Kathleen, she is President Biden's son, Hunter Biden's ex-wife. And she has been through a lot from his infidelity, drug use, and lies. And she has a new book out about how she was able to forgive him for the life she ended up living that you know, didn't look like what she had hoped for. People's own Sandra Soberai-Westfall spoke exclusively with Kathleen and is here with me now to discuss this story. Hey, Sandra. Hi. For those listening who may not know the story of Kathleen and Hunter and may not know Hunter's past, can you share with us what took her to writing in the first place? They met um, as 20-somethings in Portland, Oregon, right out of college. She was a Southside Chicago girl and was working with the Jesuit volunteers as a do-gooder. And and Hunter was the same. He was from, obviously, this very moneyed, elite Delaware family. They met as do-gooders, idealists, and married, had this life together, and it all fell apart. She started writing the book as, as a journaling exercise after her brother-in-law, Beau, died of cancer, and mm-hmm. Hunter's drug addiction sort of spiraled when his brother, who he was so close to, died. And as Kathleen put it, nothing made sense anymore. Her husband, you know, was falling apart before her eyes. He was spending a lot more time trying to hold his sister-in-law Hallie's family and her two young children together in their grief in Delaware, leaving Kathleen and their three daughters kind of alone in Washington, D.C. with their own grief. And, you know, she took to her journal to try to make sense of what was happening. Take me into what she writes about being in the moment when it all kind of came together. You painted that picture of him, you know, kind of almost moving out in a way to help with his sister-in-law and her family. And as we know, they formed a relationship in within their grief and within his addiction and all of that. Gosh, she was out for coffee, I think it was, and one of her daughters called her crying and saying, Mom, please come to Debbie's. Debbie was the family therapist. And she's like, why? What's wrong? Mom, just please come. And of course, she's frantic. So she tries calling her other daughter, Naomi. Do you know what's wrong with Finnegan? Mom, I knew you were going to call me. Just 
go to Debbie's. I'll be on the phone with you there when you get there. So Kathleen finally gets there and the therapist says, breaks the news. They tell her that Finnegan found her father's phone and went through it and read texts from her aunt Hallie to Hunter and pieced together that her father and her aunt were having an affair. The two girls with the therapist called their father before Kathleen got there and confronted him. I mean, I had sort of wondered when this all broke in the New York Post years ago, you know, how it all came out. And I never dreamed it was the daughter. And then what Kathleen must have felt as a mom, knowing that that burden um, was on her daughter. It's just a gut punch. Well, she talks about forgiveness a lot in this book, right? Not only forgiving Hunter for everything they went through in their relationship, but also about forgiving herself and and just how to be able to do that. That was the most emotional part of our talk. She cries talking about how she had to forgive herself. And I was struck by that. I said, why did you have to forgive yourself? What did you do wrong? And she talks about being this Southside Chicago girl in this relationship with, you know, fancy guy named Hunter Biden, making all the money with the, you know, Yale Law degree that that she didn't believe in the girl named Kathleen Buell, you know, who grew up eating mac and cheese for dinner out of a Tupperware bowl and who someday thought she could get a you know, graduate degree in psychology and do some good in the world. She didn't believe that that girl could stand on her own two feet and do something on her own. And Mm. she had to forgive herself for not believing in herself. In the end, she got rid of that name Biden that, you know, she lived with for, you know, more than 24, 25 years and went back to being Kathleen Buell, and she has has never been happier. I mean, I know their their girls are older. Did she talk about their relationship now, their co-parenting relationship now, and, and how that forgiveness actually plays out? It is clear, reading between the lines, that there's still some distrust. He has a new wife and a young child. Kathleen is clearly trying to be supportive. Um, she had uh, Hunter and his new family over to her house at Christmas time. Uh, Naomi's the eldest daughter. Her birthday is around Christmas, and she had mm. them over to her house. So she's trying to be that bridge. I sensed that it's it's not easy, but that she's yeah. trying. Ah, wonderful story, Sandra. Thank you so much for for sharing it with us. Happy to. And guys, If We Break goes on sale on June 14th, and you can read Sandra's story in this week's issue of People out on Stands Friday. I don't know about you, but I am still digesting the series finale of This Is Us. Coming up, we sit down with one of the stars of the show, John Huertas, to talk about playing Miguel for so many years and the show's lasting legacy. But first, you guys, it's finally happening. Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee is here. Right after the break, we give you a preview of what to expect from this weekend's festivities. We'll be right back.
Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. All right, who needs a mental European vacation? <laughs> Let's take a quick trip across the pond because tomorrow, a massive celebration begins. The Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Queen Elizabeth is celebrating 70 years on the throne. She's the longest reigning monarch in Britain's history, and all the festivities planned are just as regal as they are amazing. Joining me now to tell us what we can expect is People's Senior Editor, Aaron Hill. Hey, Aaron, welcome back to the show. Hey, Janine, great to be here. So before we get into all of the celebrations, we actually have some scary news that we have to talk about. The Queen was on a plane yesterday and it was caught in a lightning storm. She's now back at Windsor Castle. But what happened here? She was returning um, from a short visit to her Balmoral estate in Scotland when uh, the jet she was flying on got caught in a lightning storm. There was some serious weather, hail and and rain, heavy rain. Um, The pilot ended up uh, boarding the jet's landing just seconds before it was due to touch down due to the lightning and um, went back into the air but made a second and successful attempt once the weather cleared and the queen made her way uh, back home. And of course, she even had her corgi with her in the back seat, so traveled along for the ride and everything is is good she's safe and sound and ready ready to party oh my goodness <laughs> okay let's talk about this platinum jubilee celebration what are the highlights Yes, this is like a thousand royal weddings into one one long weekend. And so this is going to be four days of festivities kicking off Thursday with Trooping the Color, which is that amazing military parade in honor of the Queen's official birthday. And we're going to see a big spectacle, all the royals um, arriving in carriages, that big balcony moment on the palace where we see um, the senior royal family members waving to everyone below. And then we're going to later that evening have a big beacon lighting ceremony. It's going to kind of be a chain effect across the world. All the commonwealths are going to light their own beacons. On Friday, we're going to see a service of Thanksgiving at St. Paul's Cathedral. That's where we're going to see Meghan and Harry reunite with the royal family. They're going to all gather together for this special service that's been created to honor the queen. Saturday, there's going to be a derby. You know, the queen loves her horses. It's also Lily's first birthday. There could be some sort of private party going on, official meeting of the queen and her great-granddaughter. So let's keep an eye out for that. Hopefully there's going to be some amazing photo. And wait, that's her first birthday? First birthday, yes. And then that night, there's going to be a big pop party concert at the palace. We're going to see Diana Ross, Queen with Adam Lambert, Alicia Keys, a performance by Elton John that's been recorded, tons of appearances from all the best in Britain. Sunday, we'll have our big finale pageant. It's going to be this great spectacle. It's going to be broken up into four different acts to kind of commemorate the Queen's record-breaking reign and going to see all sorts of floats, rumors of some puppet corgis flying through the air. It's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. Like, can I get a ticket? (laughs) So excited to see all of this play out. (laughs) Yes. Erin, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me. 
It's only been a week since the finale episode of This Is Us aired, and I am still hugging on to this show and moments from one character in particular, Miguel. John Huertas played the doting second husband to Rebecca, portrayed by Mandy Moore, on the show, and viewers couldn't get enough of their surprise love story. But Miguel wasn't just a husband. He was a friend, a confidant, and a true supporter of the Pearson family. And here with me now is John Huertas. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, viewers got a chance to see Miguel's backstory during the final season, and it shined a light on his Puerto Rican roots. So as a Puerto Rican-American yourself, did you see parallels in your own life and that of Miguel? Um, Absolutely. I mean, one of the things uh, that I loved about This Is Us is that Miguel was a true collaboration between the writers and myself. We didn't have a Puerto Rican or Afro-Latino or uh, even a Latino in, in our writer's room until season six when Johnny Gomez was made a uh, staff writer who, and he's uh, Mexican American, but has a very similar uh, story. It's very special to be able to have a job where you can take aspects of your life and infuse it into the character that you're playing. A lot of the issues that Miguel uh, dealt with in life when it comes to assimilation with his family, with um, how he's viewed, how he feels he's viewed or needs to be viewed, that comes directly from me, my own personal experience. Well, going back in time, Miguel was once the best friend to Jack Pearson on the show. And after he died, Miguel and Rebecca became an item. So moment of truth, what do you think Jack's response would have been to their union? If Jack was alive, I think that Miguel and Jack would have a problem. But if he's if he's gone, if he's dead, and if we believe that there's an afterlife and that you're actually able to view what's going on on the planet after you're gone, I think that Jack would be happy with Rebecca and and Miguel's union because if I were to think about my own personal life and 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 my wife and if I were to to die uh I know how the dating world is right now because we have friends that are in it and it is not cute and so I would <laughs> not want my wife out there dealing with a lot of the stuff that people deal with in the dating world well this show certainly became a staple in many households. The storylines, the feuds, the love, it had everything. So so why do you think these stories resonated so much with viewers? The great thing about our show is that our writers are able to take pieces of themselves, pieces of, of conversations they have with us, the actors, and they're able to uh, kind of lace that into every episode and every scene. And that way the audience can see or find themselves in every moment, every situation, every character. We learn that through watching the show that, you know, things that aren't spoken to or spoken about, those are the things that can boil over and become explosive when they finally do come to the surface. We feel like people can't handle things, but I think humans are much more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. We can handle the hard truth. That is so true. Well, the final season had the cast in its feelings, speaking of big emotions, especially during, you know, the taping of that last episode. Mandy Moore even suggested that fans take a day off of work after uh, (laughs) watching it. But it it seems like you all became a real family off camera, especially when you're looking at these TikToks. So, I mean, the moves, the moves, John. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've been dancing all my life. I'm a triple threat. (laughs) <laughs> I hope TikTok proves that. Like, how long was the practice for just the TikToks? Uh, not very long. We don't have a lot of time between uh, between scenes to to rehearse. So it, it's a testament to 
everyone on the cast and how fast they can pick up that little bit of choreography. The big one, like at the wedding, that was probably 10 minutes of, of first of all, we certainly and I had to go gather everyone up, you know, like find everyone and say, hey, come on, let's, go, let's do this. Because it was a big, it was a big scene. We had a lot of people in it. We wanted everybody to be involved. And so we had to go gather yeah. everyone up. And this is between takes people want to go off and they want to make their phone calls do their text messages do their own posts go to craft service and get a snack we were like nah y'all need to come and learn this wobble so we can wobble with it (laughs) so we can wobble with it so great you have fans and they are wanting to know What's next? What's on the horizon for you? Well, I mean, we just ended, you know, I'm kind of taking a break. I've been working steadily on television for for 15 years, which I've been so lucky and so blessed to be able to do. Um, So now I'm really trying to find the perfect kind of on-camera gig. I'm directing. I'm going to be directing a bunch of television this year. And I'm going to do that until that perfect kind of role that really speaks to me and speaks to what I want to do and say as an actor. My company, West Side Stories, is, uh, is working with my team and we're, we're trying to develop and find IP and find the right story to uh, tell. I love it. Well, this has been so great, John, and congratulations on an incredible six seasons with This Is oh, Us. You. you guys gave us so much, so thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This last story is one that's full of just pure joy. Uh, Miss Vi Carlson is the owner of A Letter, written by music icon Frank Sinatra. She appeared on Antiques Roadshow recently to see how much that letter was worth. Now, the letter itself is a scathing note pinned by the fedora-clad crooner in 1976 to a Chicago Daily News writer who wrote an unflattering story about him. The writer then auctioned off the letter from Sinatra to which Vi Carlson purchased for $400 way back when. And to put it lightly, she was stunned to hear the present-day value. I would estimate it at auction at at least $15,000. Oh, and, and I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if this letter sold for more than that. Oh, gee, I, I'm going to faint. <laughs> she was just so excited and was nearly literally floored by the news as she stumbled back to take a seat in a chair. Are you all right? Oh, oh, yes, give me a seat. Oh, man. Are they kidding me? Did you all hear that? Did you all hear that? What a sweet lady. I love it when she asks, where are my friends? <laughs> Bye. You're going to have a lot of friends now. I'll be your friend. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And it was something to make you smile, right? Thank you all for joining again today. I'll see you back here tomorrow for another episode of People Every Day.